Hey everybody, this is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another edition of Focus on Metal. Can you believe it? 2017 is almost a wrap. So that means that we are coming up quickly to our uh, semi-annual break. And uh, those of you who have been with us for a while now know that uh, after Christmas, New Year's, that uh, we like to take a break for a few weeks, get our shit back together before we launch into another year. And that is our intention this year as well. So, you know, just a heads up, a few weeks from now, uh, you won't see any uh, brand new Focus on Metal posted or on the radio or anything like that because we'll be kicking back and taking a well-deserved rest. You know, I know from the outside, you look at it and you go, well, you know, it's like an hour a week and, you know, how hard can that be? But in all honesty, it uh, definitely takes a lot longer than that every week to uh, to put a show together, to do the interviews, to edit, to get this thing all organized, to do all the web stuff, social media, all that good stuff. It actually takes a pretty significant amount of time week to week from Richie and myself. So, uh, you know, like I said, a few times a year, we just like to... Uh, turn the burners off and uh, just kind of kick back. And, you know, one of the cool things about break is that we actually get to uh, to kick back and really enjoy some metal because, you know, week to week, things are just moving really fast and you don't always get to enjoy the stuff that you were enjoying back before we did the show, uh, at least for the amount of time that we were doing it. So again, just a heads up that uh, a few weeks from now, we'll be taking our semi-annual winter break and then uh, ready to launch into 2018. But anyways, great show for you this week. Yes, Valeria, it took a little bit longer than uh, I had anticipated, but as promised, we do have Michael Sweet back on the show this week talking about the brand new Sweet and Lynch release, Unified. And yeah, we did get a little bit of uh, Michael Sweet guitar talk in there for you as well. So that is the main event for the week. Richie did a really nice chat with Michael uh, just a few days ago. And so we are going to roll that out for you this week. And, you know, with just a few shopping days left before the holidays, at least here in the U.S., just want to remind you that uh, no time better than now to pre-order the part three from Bob Nelbandian, Inside LE Metal, The Rise of Thrash Metal, part one. You can get that uh, at Amazon on pre-order and a bunch of other places as well. Come into your mailbox in January, but hey, why not uh, Why not either treat yourself or a fellow metalhead, pre-order that and uh, definitely make somebody's holiday. I was actually fortunate enough to see a preview of the documentary. Bob sent me uh, some stuff and I, I checked it out and it's actually really, really good. Lots of very cool guests on this one once again. You know, with the other parts of the documentary that Bob's been doing, you know, he's had certain guys that have been on each one of them and there's some of those same guys on this one as well, but then of course he's got people that are pretty much just thrash as well so you kind of have a nice continuity with this and it's almost like the other two parts of it which is building up to this one so really nice job 
from all the guys working hard to bring us the Inside LA Metal series. And also, you know, while you're kicking back during the holidays, just to remind you that uh, if you have some free time and you want to uh, check out some other new shows, some new music, see what else is out there show-wise, including some of our old compatriots from the Cast Iron Ring, you know, Weird Ways or uh, Iron City Rocks, or you could catch up with uh, Shockwaves, and of course our buddies over at Radioactive Metal, all kinds of stuff out there, Signal to Noise. I mean, just really good stuff. And then, of course, folks that weren't even on the Cast Iron Ring shows like The Decibel Geek. But you can catch up with all of those guys at earpeeler.com. So if you got a little free time this holiday season, definitely go over to earpeeler.com and uh, check out a few other shows as well. You might find uh, a new second favorite, of course, after your favorite being us here at Focus on Metal. <laughs> All right, so before we get to our Michael Sweet talk, what do you say we do a track of the week? And track of the week this week is from the new one from Pink Cream 69 called Headstrong. So I know back in 2013, they put out Ceremonial. And after that, they kind of just looked back at what they were doing, decided they were going to go back and look at how they used to write songs and put a little bit of the old, you know, the old kind of headspace in there, as well as the new headspace. And of course, using the same lineup that was on Ceremonial, then last month they put out Headstrong. And also, this one includes a really cool live DVD from a uh, from a 2013 show they did in Germany. So, like I said, pretty cool album. Uh, I've always liked a lot of the stuff that Pink Cream 69 puts out. Yeah, every so often they put one that, you know, I look at it and go, ah, I don't know, it's a little bit weird. But uh, but this one's actually really good, solid, crunchy guitars. Uh, a little heavier this time as well, which is always a good thing in my book. And I thought that also, you know, a little PC 69 goes kind of well with uh, Striper, Sweet Lynch, and all that, because I looked at some of the other options I'd have a track of the week this week, and I thought I would kind of make it uh, uh, melodically thematic. And uh, also, even just looking through this whole release, the song I picked out to play for track of the week this week, it uh, in a way, it kind of reminds me a lot of Striper, some of the melodies and things that Michael would put into a Striper song. So, a uh, track of the week this week from Pink Cream 69, off of their brand new one, Headstrong. This one's called Unite and Divide.
There you go, track of the week, courtesy of Pink Cream 69, off, as I mentioned, their latest release, Headstrong. So uh, with the track of the week out of the way, it is time to delve into uh, this week's main headline subject matter, and that is yet another focus on metal chat with Michael Sweet. Yeah, we've had Michael on quite a few times now. Every time we do, uh, people always keep clamoring for more. And In fact, it kind of gets to be the point now that if Striper comes out with something or Sweet Lynch or anything else that Michael's involved with, invariably we get uh, stuff on Facebook or Twitter or email asking about when we're going to have the guy on. And uh, fortunately, Michael has always been willing to come on and talk to us here at Focus. Focus on metal, and uh, just a few days ago, Richie was able to get in on uh, probably one of the last rounds of publicity for the new Sweet Lynch album, Unified. And uh, and not only that, but you know, usually when they're doing these kind of these press things, usually it's 20, 25 minutes, get in, get out. Yeah, I know all of you heard this kind of interview on the radio as well. But uh, it's always good when you have a relationship with the artist and the publicist gives you the last slot of the day, which uh, sometimes, like I said, if you've got a good rapport with the artist, they're, they're not worried about schedule and uh, they're willing to talk to you for, uh, for a lot longer than everybody else that they have. And uh, Richie got the sweet spot on this one. And as I said, it's always cool when you get that. I know when we had Joe Perry on, I was able to get the final spot of the day. And of course, you know, both of us being Boston boys, Joe was willing to, uh, to really kind of jaw with me a little bit more than, uh, than normal about all the, you know, clubs we used to play in Boston and stuff like that. So uh, again, you know, Richie was able to get the final one, the kind of the sweet spot of the day with Michael and was able to chat with Michael for uh, probably about double the time of everybody else that day and was able to delve in a little bit more and talk about some more stuff than just as you know the great uh, you know album tour producer you know standard questions and uh, get a little bit more depth and that means that uh, we got some great stuff to share with you this week from uh, from Michael Sweet so with that why don't I uh, why don't I stop talking and turn it over to uh, to my buddy Richie as he chats with uh, Michael Sweet Michael. Ricky, how you doing, man? I'm all right. Uh, you on you on the Cape? I am near the Cape, and I apologize. I just had two other interviews, and they always go over, and <laughs> I'm late, so it's out of my control. No, that's that's okay. I'm in. Um, I'm probably an hour's north of you. I'm in Sudbury, Mass. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So the the nine seven eight, the uh, the phone number from might have been a hint, but. Anyway, yeah, man. So you're getting you're getting the Arctic blast today too. It's, it's, it, we're finally cold, aren't we? Yeah, I'm in a. I work on a 160 acre farm, and I'm outside. Oh wow! Doing inventory, so you can imagine what wow. I'm like. Wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to just we'll get straight into it? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm All ready. Right. You are. You're ready to go. Um, one of the questions I always ask any of the guitar players I have on the show. How many guitars do you think you have in your home? Oh, man, it was funny. I was just talking to uh, some friends about this. I have not as many as you might think. I have about 16. Okay. And okay. actually, maybe maybe 17. Um, at one time, I had almost 60 guitars. Wow. So there, w- there was a time when I had quite a few guitars. Um, and, and a lot of them were stolen. Uh, some of them I've sold over the years. Some of them I've traded or exchanged or whatnot. Uh, but right now, I've got the ones that I use all the time. Yeah. Are we talking different models or a lot of the same model? No, they're all different. I've got uh, Washburn guitars with signature models. I've got PRS guitars. 
uh, very specific ones that were made for me. Uh, I've got some Gibsons, uh, Taylors, um, and then a, a lower line guitars that I just might, might beat up all around everywhere guitars. I've got, uh, a, a Godin. I have a, um, I have some ESPs, uh, that I play and I, and I really like, believe it or not. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of others. Uh, oh, Jackson, of course. Yep. I've got, I've got some of my old Jacksons. Okay. You know, so they're all, they're all different. Yeah. Any, any in particular that you got rid of or that got stolen that, you know, you wish you could have it back? Oh yeah. I mean, there are a few that I, I had hoped that I would get back that I did get back. Okay. And the most important, the most important one is the iconic, uh, Striper Jackson Rhodes, the, the one that I played for everything back in the day. I got that back. That was stolen. How did you get that back? Uh, a guy sent me a picture and said, I just bought your guitar and, and I emailed him back and said, uh, man, I hate to tell you this, but you just bought a stolen guitar. Wow. That was, little- that was taken. And and we met halfway. I drove from here to New York. He drove from uh, wherever he was living to New York, and we met. We had dinner, and I got the guitar back. Fantastic! That's great. Yeah, it's great when something like that happens. Yeah, because a lot of you hear a lot of stories about you know stuff being stolen from various bands, and I know that there's a band out out in California now called King, and I know all their gear got stolen a few weeks ago. So God knows if they're going to get any of that back. Oh man, yeah, it's. It's heartbreaking when that happens because you work so hard to get that equipment, and those are your tools of the trade. It's like a, you know, a carpenter, you know, spending four or five years buying all these tools, and then someone steals them all. Yeah, and you know they're very hard to replace, and and you need them to do your job. So you're you you're down in so many ways, and it's just hard. That's awful, man. There's some real bad people out there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So so let's get into the uh the new Sweet Lynch record, Unified. Um when did you know that Frontiers wanted a second record? Well, they had talked about it uh, on and off through emails um and mentioned the fact that they wanted another record. We finally were able to come to terms and that's when we started planning it. And then before we knew it, we were in the studio recording it. It just you know, life goes so quickly and time is so short that you know, uh, tomorrow's here now, and, and it just—it's it, the way it goes. But um, you know, we're already there's already been little little discussions and little talks about a third album. I hope there are are ten albums before I go to my grave. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do. I hope that there are ten Sweet Lynch albums. There's no reason why there can't be, as long as we all stay healthy and we have the uh, creativity. You know, and the well, the well keeps running. Yeah. And w- was there anything in particular that you learned from doing the first record that you brought into doing this one? Uh, yeah, just sticking with the format. Okay. If it were, if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay. You know that old that old cliche. And you know the first album wasn't broke. The the band, the studio, the way it was done, we did it the same way around. We we had a few different differences. But for the most part, it was done the same way. And I'm really glad we did. There's a continuity that comes from that. And uh, people people really like it. Yeah. And the, the reviews have been really good, man. So, you know, this album is a little different from the first album. So 
what I've been reading a lot of is reviews that say, ah, yeah, it's a little different. And then they come back two weeks later and they say, well, I've lived with it for two weeks and I actually really love it. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Yeah. Now, the, the initial song ideas for the, for the two records, did they come from George first? Like, is he the catalyst and then you arrange the songs? Or is there a lot of back and forth between the two of you? Well, not a lot of people realize this, but songs are broke up into uh, into two two ways. There's the music, then there's the melody slash lyric. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so George wrote the music. I wrote the lyrics and the melodies. And that's the way it worked on the first album. That's the way it worked on this album. Now, granted, on the first album, I did a little bit more in terms of arrangements. And I even uh, brought three songs to the table because we didn't have everything. And those were the songs Recover, uh, uh, Strength in Numbers, and The Wish. So I I wrote those songs because we only had, uh, you know, what, if there were 11 songs, I think, uh, we had eight songs. So we needed more songs, so I wrote those. On this album, uh, George, it was very important for me to make sure George contributed all the songs. And uh, I wanted to have more of his, his stamp and his signature, and he did. And they were also more complete in terms of arrangements. I did a lot less in that regard. So I just focused. I focused on producing, writing the lyrics, writing the melodies, and tweaking the arrangements. Okay. Okay. So, like, when I spoke to you for the first record, uh, one of the things you insisted on was you had to have James and Brian in Massachusetts with you to to record the album in, in the Spirit House in the studio. And you did you did it on this record. Now, did you try and get George up to up here to do do it this time, or was George just against doing it? Well, it's not that he's against doing it. I think George really wanted to do it that way and be there with us. But I think sometimes, unfortunately, life doesn't play the same card or the same hand that you're you're, you're wanting or playing. He he had no choice. He had to stay out there. And, and do it at his studio for circumstances, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for reasons. There are certain reasons why he had to do that. Uh, he even tried to come out and, and shoot a video and, and get some footage at the studio here in Massachusetts. And he wasn't, that was going to happen. He had a talk with Frontiers and we were going to do that. And then it, at the last minute, it, 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 fall, it fell through. Yeah. So, you know, we tried. Next time, hopefully we'll be able to do it. You know, that's why when you see Jeff Pilson and he's working with George out in LA at his studio, it's easy because they live near each other. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very easy for them to pull off. It's a lot more difficult when George has to fly, uh, you know, 3000 miles away and and be gone for two weeks to do it. it. It just makes it tough. And that would be tough for me too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did, did it ever cross your mind that maybe you'd go down to his studio and then get Brian and James to do it there so the four of you guys could do it together? Well, yeah, that crossed my mind, and we actually discussed that. But as the producer, since I'm producing the album, there's a there's a certain way I like to do things in studios I like to work at, and those studios are here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a certain way of doing things and a format and engineers I like to work with. And if I break that, I risk taking on a completely different sound and, and going in a completely different direction that might not be as good. And and I worry about that. And I've done that. Trust me, I've learned the hard way. Yeah. Now, now, when you have Brian and James up here, what what form are the demos in that they're going off to play with? Are are like is there what instrumentation is on them? But on the demos, it's just George playing with the drum machine and his guitar. Okay. There's uh, no vocals. And a lot of times the arrangement's not done, so after the chorus it'll go it'll go da 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 and it'll just shut off. Okay. And then I gotta come up with the the rest of the song and the bridge and the solo section and the outro and especially on the first album, that's how it happened. On this album it was less of that. Much mm-hmm. less of that. But that's basically the format that James and Brian are listening to. Uh, but it gives them the basic idea of the song, and it gets them started. Then when they come out, uh, before they come out, I go in and I spend three days mapping everything out. So I go through the songs, we print what George sent, and then we, we put down the grid and, and click track for four minutes or four and a half or five minutes the length of the song. And then we take what George didn't send, and we create it. Okay. So, so we cut and paste, uh, like if George sent a, an intro and a verse and a chorus, we take that verse and we chorus and we cut and paste it again to create another verse and another chorus. And then if there's no bridge, then I mimic George's guitar tone and I record it. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So we have the whole song. And then when the guys come out, when they track, they have a whole song instead of just half a song. All right. I got you. I'm just wondering, have they ever played anything in a particular way and it's changed the direction of the song or kind of made you go oh i wouldn't have actually gone that way but that, let's go let's see where this goes that does happen but not so much in arrangements more so in parts okay you know sometimes in arrangements but that's very rare because once once they come out the arrangements are pretty much in stone and everything's already set they take notes they go out and they play mm-hmm. so it's more so it's more so in the direction of the part itself you know the drum group the pattern yeah. The kick pattern, the snare pattern, and the bass parts, and the bass notes, and the parts that are played. You know, uh, I'll say to Brian, hey, dude, why don't you try this? And he'll say, well, what about this? And I'll go, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that, I never thought about that. That's really cool. You know, things like that happen a lot. Yeah, okay. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the songs on, on the album. Um, the, ones, the couple of songs that stand out for me, Walk definitely sounds very like Queen. Yes. And even yeah, it, it is. It is. And I know... George came up with the music for that. He was in that queen mode because he had the working title. I forget what it was, but it was a queen title, you know? And so I knew instantly he was thinking queen on that one. So when I got the the music, my first reaction was, okay, this is really cool, but what the hell do I do with this? You know, uh, because it's, it's very different uh, musically. And it's, it's, it sounds almost more like an instrumental. Yeah. 
than than a song that should have a vocal. So it was a little tricky coming up with the vocal ideas for that song, but I did it, and I tried to stay true to form and and stick with that Queen format. Uh, that's why we have all those, you know, the vocal stabs. Yeah. Big, you know, we kind of went in that direction, and it was so easy to do that. It just felt natural. Yeah, it's it's not only the vocal on that. It's it's George's guitar solo sounds like something Brian May would play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, it, it wasn't to. It wasn't to rip Queen off. It wasn't about that at all. It was more to pay homage to Queen because Queen is a big influence of ours. We love Queen. Yeah. Um, I grew up with Queen. George grew up with Queen. And Queen has proven to be one of the premier bands of all time, uh, rock bands of all time. So, you know, that was just our way of uh, saying thank you to Queen. Yeah. And the other track I love on it is Afterlife. Uh, now that sounds something like Lynch Mob would do, not not like Striper. That was a, kind of a different track for you to sing on. It was different. I was stretching myself on Afterlife and Walk, mm-hmm. obviously. And I enjoy doing that. When I work on albums, I like trying different things. I don't do it often, but when I get to do it, I really enjoy it. Because it, it, it makes me stretch my boundaries, and it makes me uh, expand and experiment a little bit more. And I love doing that, man. It's very cool. Yeah. Now, you've lyrics on here, of course, very autobiographical, and... I'm, re- I'm reading the lyrics to Bridge of Broken Lies, and I'm thinking, I, I have an idea who that's about. Um, you know, it's, it's Tim, right? And you I'm, do? I'm, yeah, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, right? But I was going to ask you about the Tim Gaines thing in a couple of different ways. Um, well, just remember, first of all, I never said it was about Tim. You I did. know, I did, I did, I did. <laughs> um, so you can, make it, you can make it about whoever you want it to be about, but you know, here's the, here's the thing. Um, a lot of songs that I write 
actually most, if not all, the songs that I write come from experience and come from real-life situations that I've been through, that we've been through, uh, that my my wife's been through, my daughter, you know, and things that I've experienced from a first-hand knowledge. And it, it makes uh, the lyric much more deeper and emotional uh, and relatable. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a song based on something that I've been through. Yeah. Uh, in in recent times, and you know, it, it it's sad that we can't trust our our the people that we believe are our friends, uh, and and that we've been through so much with. It's sad that sometimes we can't trust them, and and you realize that everything was based on a lie, and and that's that's how that song came to be. You know, for anyone that's been through that. Uh, you know, hopefully they can relate to that song and it might encourage them or inspire them a little bit. Yeah. Now, the other track, Make Your Mark, of course, that's about social media. How how bad did all the messages get about the whole Tim situation? Because I know you did address it on your Facebook page. It must have gotten really, really dark, some of them. Well, you you know, people love to give their opinion and they, they feel they have the right to do that uh, constantly because they are on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. You know, just be- just because we're all on Facebook and Twitter doesn't mean we have the right to say half of what we say or to butt in or step into a situation uh, that really we have no right stepping into. Uh, but that's the world we live in. And we got some real doozies, man. We, we, we heard some real interesting comments and it, mostly really, really supportive. Yeah and really positive and people saying we get it and you know, we, we support you and, and we understand and you know, all, things like that. Uh, but the people that nine times out of 10, the people that would make negative comments or, or say something that wasn't so nice were people that didn't really understand the situation. Yeah. And, and they were, they didn't know what was going on or what had transpired and, and they had only heard one side of the story or whatnot. And, and, and we're, we were in a position and still are where we can't really talk about it. Uh, you know, and, um, nor do we really want to, we're, we're, we're kind of burnt out on, on the drama and, and we just want to go and make music and, and you know, be a light in the dark and, and give people hope. And, you know, when you're caught up in drama, you can't do that. It, it sucks the life and the joy right out of you. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, not, that's not a good feeling. So, you know, we've been trying hard just to move on and move forward. And, uh, you know, we've got a new bass player, Perry Richardson, and he's just awesome. Yep. Um, and he, he's helping us to, to rebuild everything. And he's just a really sweet guy, full of joy, and, and a super talented guy, amazing player, amazing singer. And, we just love the fact that he's in our band. It's awesome. Okay. Now, I'm sure everyone is asking you the tour question, but I'm going to flip it. I'm going to tell you why I don't think you're going to do any dates. Um, you have a Striper album coming out that you're finishing, so that's next year. George, yep. has, George has done two albums with KXM. He hasn't done any dates with them. And he has a, he has a Corey Glover album coming out, and he's also doing a project with uh, Robert Mason and Jeff Pilson next year. So I'd be amazed now if you have any time to do any shows. Now I'm giving George a run for his money though. I'm doing the, I got a new striper album coming out. I'm starting work on a solo album and I'm starting work on an album with Joel Holkstra. So I'm going to get, I'm going to keep giving George (laughs) a run for his money. 
Okay. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, you're right. Your point is George is busy. And my point is I'm busy yeah. and you combine the two and we're, we're really busy and it makes it very difficult to make time for Sweet and Lynch to tour. Yep. And you're right. It, it's sad, but true, but there is a way to, to fit, fit it in and a good way to do that. And I suggested this to George and to our agent who is, we have the same agent, by the way, Sullivan, big, uh-huh. uh, big time, big time entertainment. I suggested, Hey, why don't you, why don't you have Lynch mob come out and open some striper shows? We'll share a bus. And then George and I will go out before Lynch mob and do a short little sweet Lynch set. And, and they all love that idea. Yep. So that's really the only way it could happen. Well, the other way it could happen, Michael, is a cruise. If you were both on the cruise, you could get up and, and play Sweet Lynch. Well, you know, what's funny about that is we've done two cruises since the first Sweet Lynch album, and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> uh you know, and I've mentioned it to George, and he always says, oh, I like to rehearse and be prepared and, and not just do one-offs and rehearse that long and that intense just for one show and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, still, dude, it'd be cool, and it'd be really cool for the fans and to, to give the fans that. So you never know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we will do something on this cruise. Yeah. I have no idea, but that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Now, now the other thing you have coming out is you have the soul... Uh, the songs and stories from a life in music, the acoustic show. Now I've seen you do an acoustic show in Lawrence Mass a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed it. And that—that's you actually did get to play a, a Sweet Lynch song, "Dying Rose" in that. Um, yeah. Are you more? Is that more nerve-wracking for you to actually get up on stage on your own with just an acoustic guitar than to stand on a stage with amps and drums and all that stuff? It is nerve-wracking, but it's in a different way. So in other words, with Striper, it's more nerve wracking in the sense that we've got all this equipment and I hope it all works, you know, uh, and, and just coordinating the crew and the four guys and it, it more of the, uh, the, uh, the details and the logistics of the production. That's the more nerve wracking part of that. Yeah. Are the in-ears going to work? And is this going to work? And, you know, if, but when I do solo stuff, it's more of, it's none of that at all. It's just more of, oh my gosh, how's my voice? Uh-huh. You yeah. know, cause it's just, it's just me and my voice and then a guitar. So you, everyone's going to hear everything. If I crack, everybody's going to hear it. If I crack in Striper, you might not hear it. Cause there's, you know, 10 walls of Mesa Boogie amps going, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, it's just a different type of stress, but I definitely get stressed out doing the solo thing. But I've come to a point where I really enjoy it. I feel like I found my place in that world, and I love doing it, man. I do about 25 uh, to 30 solo acoustic dates a year, and it's become a bit of a tradition. I love it. Nice, nice. So have you ever considered doing a an instrumental guitar record? I have, and, and but also let me just say one more thing about Soul. It is available now. It's available at michaelsweet.com, and we've been shipping it already. So oh, it's excellent, in. excellent. Yeah, and it, it's a limited run, so it won't be available for for too long. But yeah, it's available now. But yes, I have considered doing an instrumental, but then something only stops me from doing it. I get caught up in other things, and it never happens. I've thought about it for a long time, actually. Uh, 
and I would enjoy doing that. Okay. I, I, I think I think that would probably be the hardest record I've ever done because you got to really make the instrumentation and the actual song itself without the vocal stand on its own. So you got to you'd have to do things and add things that are uh, a little more intense and detailed and you know than you might on a regular song. Okay. You know, uh, but yeah, man, I I know I could do it and I want to do it and if I ever do, I think it'll be really fun and really cool. I would get players that are just sick, you know. I would I would I would get guys that just <laughs> blow your mind, you know, in terms of parts. Like I love uh Dean Castronova. I love uh, Todd Zuckerman, uh drums for sticks. Yep. Hi, this is Dean Castanova from Revolution Saints. You're listening to Focus on Metal. You know, guys of that caliber and just technician players and you know, I would want all the instruments to be on fire where people would just say, These guys are off the chain, you know? Yeah. Yeah, now one of the questions I, I put out to the listeners when, when I, I said I was having you on, was, uh, and I got a response back on it, was a lot of them want to know, um, is there any chance you're ever going to play the UK again? Well, I keep saying yes, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so it, I'm starting to feel a little bit like a fool. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. We've been to the UK many times. We love it. We've got a really great fan base there and, and some of the sweetest people in the world. And we just so miss them and want to return and perform for them. But it just doesn't ever happen because of the the finances or the scheduling or whatever. You know, you got to keep in mind that everything's different there. You know, when you're, when you're here in July and it's a good time to tour, it might not be such a good time to tour there. Yeah. Uh, and vice versa. So you got to really kind of think things through. Same thing in, in South America. You know, when we're in summer, they're in winter. When they're in, in summer, we're in winter. And, you know, you got to take all these things into account. And it makes it hard to pull off. But that being said, yes, we're going back to the UK for sure. We're working on it for next year. Hopefully and prayerfully, it's going to happen. I'm just surprised none of the festivals have ever picked you guys up. You know, man. Uh, I don't really understand so much of, of what happens or doesn't happen with Striper. Uh, I can only, and this is not an excuse. This is not me asking for sympathy. It just, it is to use that stupid cliche. It is what it is. Um, I can only attribute that to the whole Christian thing. I, I really don't know what else it would be. I think that'd be the uh, reason that they'd book you. Is because of that the novelty of having a Christian rock band? Because a lot of the other, most of the other bands aren't like you. Well, I mean, and but but we actually hear the feedback from people. Like when our when our management goes after, or our agent goes after an opening slot on a, on a big tour with whatever band you 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 think of all the bands. And then you get back comments like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, no, Striper. Yeah, of course, I remember them. They're a really good band, but they're that Christian band, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, we're going to have to pass. You know, when you hear things like that over and over and over again, it, it's very disheartening. Yeah. Because the, the sad part of it is this. 
the bands they go with nine times out of 10, if you put Striper on the same stage with those bands, we would certainly hold our own against them. You know, when people, when people come and see us, they walk away saying, I had no idea. These guys are just, just an incredible rocking, high energy band. And I just thought they were going to pull out Bibles and preach to us for an hour. Yeah, and, and that's that's the uh, for some reason that's the preconceived idea or thought when people think of Striper. It, it, it's 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 very interesting to me. Yeah, uh, but I think it it keeps us from getting on a lot of these tours and a lot of these uh, festivals. And I think in, in in fairness to what you said, though, sometimes it's exactly what puts us on those festivals too. I do yeah. think that's, that's true to some degree, but the majority is they pass because of who we are. Yeah. Now I just want to ask you a couple of questions about Perry Richardson. Um, is having a strong faith with a new member, is it as important to you now in your fifties as it was when you were forming the band? You mean like is that member having a strong yeah, faith? Yeah, bringing in a new member, does he have to? Is it as important to you that he has a strong faith in Jesus as well, it would have been when you formed the band in the beginning? Well, let me tell you this, and people get up in arms over this. Stripe, striper fans, in particular, and and they say and they think, what in the world do you mean by that? Yeah. But my answer to that is no, it's not as important as one might think, and the reason why I say that. It's very important to us that someone is nice, that someone is not, uh, you know, complete uh, degenerate uh, or, uh, you know, a drug addict or uh, an alcoholic or, you know, and granted, I don't mean to downplay that. We've all had issues with stuff throughout our lives. Uh, be it alcohol or be it drugs at one point in time years ago. And, you know, we've all been there. We've all done that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, you know, we want a professional. We want someone who's going to come in and take their job serious and perform to the best of their abilities and always make it a priority and just do their job and be nice while doing it. Yeah. That's the most important part to us because I'll tell you right now, some of the, worst people that I've ever met in my life and I've ever dealt with in my life have been quote unquote Christians. And, you know, they say they're Christian and they proclaim to be Christian and then they'll knife you in the back and cut the biggest wound in your back more than people who aren't Christians. So Christianity has nothing that nothing to do with it in terms of who we have in our band. It's important that, you know, obviously the founding members uh, of the band, you know, and what we stand for and what we've proclaimed, it's important that we stay true to that. And, you know, we, we do and we will and we are. Oz, Rob, and myself, we have deep faith. We put God first in everything that we do. But, you know, when we're looking for a bass player, it wasn't, you know, as shocking as it may sound, it wasn't at the top of the priority list. Like, okay, he's got to be a Christian. Yeah, that was that was on the list. But more important was he's got to be a nice guy. Yeah, it's he's got to be a he, he's got to be a man of integrity and just be a good guy. And then maybe it might be, and then he's got to be a great singer and a great player. And then maybe he's got to be he, he's got to have have be a man of faith. 
But that, that'd be on the list, but not at the top of the list in these times because we've lived through it and we've experienced uh, people throughout our lives that claim to be Christians that just, you know, were the worst people to deal with. And, and, and then sometimes the people that aren't Christians are the sweetest and the nicest people to deal with. So that doesn't always apply. I don't mean to keep rambling here, but, you know, I'm just... I'm trying to make a point. I hope I'm making it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I've spoken to a lot of musicians over the years, and when they change members, the most important thing is that they get on with the member because they have 22 hours of the day they're going to be spending with them off stage. That that has to be a priority. If, they, if they're brilliant on the stage, but they can't stand they, them off stage, it's never going to work. Exactly. Like, like let me put it this way. If, if, we, if we had two bass players standing before us and one was a christian and you know had been a christian has been a christian for 30 years very devout and a great singer and a great guy a great a great singer and a great player but you know has um a bad attitude okay and just seems very off in his personality and then we have another bass player who is not a Christian and is a great singer and a great player, but who is just a, a really great guy. And I know many people like that, musicians like that. We would hands down go with that guy mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Yeah. And nobody, none of our fans should get up in arms about that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's not going to compromise who we are or change who Oz, Robert, and Michael is. You know, I think we've proven that no one or nothing is going to change that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Michael, I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Um, how, how, mu- how, much arm twi- <laughs> how much arm twisting would you need to put Come to the Everlife back in the set? <laughs> it, it, it'll never happen, you know. So you're so you're never going to it'll, play you're never going to play that album in its entirety. Then, when on its anniversary, is it next year? Never, never. I mean, there are there are nine other songs on that album that are much better. <laughs> why why would we do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, write, writing's on the wall. Always there for you. In God we trust. The world is you and I. Yeah. Uh, keep the fire burning. On and on and on. There are other songs that are so much more important and and and, and better. Uh, you know. So no, no. The, the odds of that, it, it, no arm twisting because it'll never happen. Never happen. Okay. Someone wanted to ask me about the, the ask. Tell me to ask him about the Against the Law record. Um, what made you choose Tom Werman to produce that, and was he your first choice? He wasn't our first choice, but uh, he was someone on the list, and we met with him, and we liked him. And we, he was doing a lot with bands back then, and obviously he's a legendary producer, and we really wanted to try something different. So we, we wound up, and he wound up agreeing to do it. Uh, we wound up working together. And, you know, it's a really good album for what it is. I've I've been I've gone on record to state why it's not my favorite Striper album, and it, it's really funny. And some people get up in arms about that when they hear me say that, but you know you can't argue with statistics. I mean, it's the least selling, least popular Striper album of all 
of every album we've done, you know? And, and so it's not just Michael Sweet saying that it's the, it's the, the public saying that. Yeah. And you just, you can't argue with that. Uh, but it's a really good album. And I think the reason why it's our least favorite, least popular album is we really changed too much. We drastically changed everything. We lost the yellow and black. We're the yellow and black attack. And we threw that away because we wanted to go blue and black and purple and black. And, uh, and then we lost our sound. You know, we have a love it or hate it. We have a classic sound. And when I think of classic striper songs and sound, I think, I think of soldiers in a command. Yeah. I think of to hell with the devil free. Uh, and even in God, we trust there's, there's a certain sound and style we had. And then we took all that and we threw it all away and we became basically Van Halen. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so what can you tell me while you're still on the subject of Striper? What are you allowed to tell me about the new record? Well, um, it's, I've used this twice this morning already, this analogy. Uh, no More Hell to Pay is mild sauce, but good, really tasty. Uh, Fallen is medium salsa and, and has a lot, of, a lot of bite, a lot more heat to it, but it's, but it's tasty too. This album is hot, okay? So it's got some fire to it, man. It's got, it's got some stuff to it that people aren't going to expect. It's got a groove that we haven't had in a long time. Um, it's really awesome. We're super excited about it. And I think when people hear it, man, they're going to go, what in the world? How did these guys do this? And I personally think it, it's a contender for our best album ever. Uh-huh. And, you know, we'll just have to see when it comes out. We'll have to see what the public says. Yeah. Well, when is it coming out? In February, March? In, a- in, in April. April. On Frontiers. On Frontiers. Excellent. And we're going to tour a lot throughout the year. We're going to play some of those songs live. And, man, I tell you, it, it's the title alone is going to take people back to, to Hell with the Devil times 10. Because it's, it's controversial and it's shocking, but even more so. And there's a title track. And we're shooting two videos in Las Vegas in January, turning it in January 15th. It's a killer album, man. Can't wait for people to hear it. Nice. And I just got one final question. When you stop playing, would you rather be remembered as a great singer or a great songwriter? I think a great songwriter. Because it's, it's all about the song. You know, if you don't have the song, no matter how great a singer you are, you, you, you can't convey the story or the emotion if the song's a, a, a piece of poo. Yeah. Or a turd, if you want to say. Um, you got to have the song. And then if you have the song, the singer's like the icing on the cake. A really good vocal's like the icing on the cake. But the cake is the song. So I would rather be known for, uh, at the end of the day, for being a great songwriter. Excellent. Excellent. So, Michael, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can order your, your, your DVD, your acoustic DVD, and all that? Well, the, 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 the DVD is available at michaelsweet.com in the store. Uh, limited time, limited press. Um, and in, in anything in terms of... Uh, News and updates, you can go to the Facebook pages, which is Striper, 
and then the Michael Sweet. And then we've got Twitter uh, and Striper, uh, Striper Twitter and Michael Sweet Twitter. And we're very active on, on Facebook and Twitter. So people can be up to date and kept up on everything Striper and Michael Sweet through those pages. Absolutely. Yeah, I know you're very active on your own Facebook page. You're always putting stuff up there. Oh, yeah, man. I, I like to keep people informed and, uh, you know, I have fun doing that. And, man, I'm I'm going to just keep busy and keep doing what I do. And I, I hope there's a lot more to come before I leave this earth. Yeah, you got a show tomorrow night, don't you, in Plymouth? I do. I'm playing in Plymouth at the Spire Center in Plymouth, Mass. And uh, it's going to be a Christmas show with guests. I got Mariah Formica from The Voice coming out, Carly Webster from The Voice, Charles Foley, who sings and plays for Striper. He's coming out and doing a song. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. I hope people can make it down. Nice. All right, Michael. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. And hopefully I'll see you next year out on the road. Okay, brother. Be good. Stay warm, okay? I'll try. i got to go out again now in the cold. (laughs) God bless you, dude. Bundle up. Layer up. Have a good Christmas. Bye. You too. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We've got time to roll one more from the brand new Sweet and Lynch album, Unified. This one's the lead-off track. It's called Promised Land. Okay, so once again, big thanks to Michael Sweet for taking the time to uh, to again talk to us here on Focus on Metal. And of course, if you want to find out more about what he's up to, you can go to michaelsweet.com. And as Michael mentioned earlier in the uh, in the interview, he was talking all about his uh, limited release DVD that he had there, Soul, Songs and Stories from a Life in Music. And uh, as I'm mixing this down, that one is still available up on his online store. And you can, uh, of course, go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Sweet Lynch, if you want to uh, get all of the uh, latest news on Sweet and Lynch. So there you go, another episode of Focus on Metal in the can 
And uh, if you want to uh, keep up with us, I know it's been a few weeks since I mentioned this, you can go to focusonmetal.net. That is our main site. And if you happen to go up there, you can go to the episodes page and find uh, like six years worth of past episodes that you can listen to. Check out all the great guests we've had on uh, during the show. And uh, so, you know, take some time up if you're going, geez, uh, you know, I've been missing these guys for a few weeks while we're on break. You can go to focusonmetal.net and uh, and listen to some of the older episodes. He's also a focusonmetal.blogspot.com. That's where we put our show notes up every week. And then also when uh, when I'm feeling like it, also post press releases and all that kind of stuff. Been on a low ebb on that right now with uh, everything else going on in my life. But uh, hopefully next year, get back into the habit of doing more of the uh, of the news and release notes up on focusonmetal.blogspot.com. And as all of you probably know by this point, Richie's the guy manning the Facebook page these days. So if you want to talk to Richie, then... Uh, you can go up to the Focus on Middle page and talk to him up there. And also, you can follow us on Twitter. So that's it. There ain't no more for this week. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great Metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.